Hello, and welcome back to the Money with Katie podcast. So before we launch into today's topic, I am going to take an opportunity to do something that I personally usually fast forward through, but I'll make it super fast. That way you can't. If you're enjoying this show, do me a favor and subscribe. It'll let you know when my new episodes drop on Wednesdays, and it'll help show the algorithm that people give a shit. Yay! And if you're feeling extra karmically blessed today, leave a review, preferably a nice one, but I'll take what I can get. All right, so now that that's out of the way, let's dig into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. It's all about spending guilt. So I was inspired to talk about this topic over the weekend. As some of you who follow me on Instagram may know, I ventured into a mall for the first time in years with the intention of buying a capsule wardrobe. So a capsule wardrobe is effectively where you buy a predetermined set of nice quality neutral pieces that can be mixed and matched. And then the intention is that you aren't really participating in fast fashion. You're not tempted to buy new stuff every season. You basically just have this really nice quality wardrobe that you can wear for a long time. And as a budding minimalist, I really hate clutter. It gives me anxiety. I was kind of itching to get rid of my bulk of old clothes. So I haven't really gone shopping since I was in college. And it just kind of felt like a good time. You know, I was like, you know what? I have honestly way too many crop tops and not enough adult clothing that I'd feel comfortable wearing on Zoom calls with partners or like out to dinner. It just always felt like I didn't have anything to wear and yet I had all this stuff. So that was the impetus for the shopping trip. And I had spent such a decently long amount of time kind of crafting this list and deciding what I wanted and where I was going to buy it all. I decided to go to Madewell after doing some research and I liked their style. So after I took all of those steps, it was finally time to, you know, go and do the damn thing, go to the store, try on the clothes, pick them out and pay for them. And Honestly, I've never shopped like that in my life because previous to my financial awakening, I was a shopper for fun and I was a deal hunter. So I would like go to the mall on the weekends just for fun and window shop and then the window shopping usually turned into actual shopping and I was just buying things that were on sale because they were on sale and it was a method of entertainment for me it wasn't really there was no intention behind it the way that this was so this time instead of looking at prices I was looking at the tag that had the fabrics. Like I was looking for real fabrics, nothing polyester, nothing elastic, like denim, cashmere, wool, leather, real fabrics. And I've never shopped without looking at price tags. Like I don't think I looked at one. I didn't care. I just wanted to get quality pieces that I could wear for a really long time, right? And that was just so foreign to me and I was having a pretty good time with it up until the point where I was actually checking out and then I had this moment of panic where I was like oh my god I I actually have no idea how much all this is going to cost I I didn't really give any thought to this is this smart am I making a mistake am I gonna regret this like I'm standing in line to check out and I have all these thoughts just ripping through my head about whether or not I'm acting impulsively and if I should just bag the whole thing. 
And so as I check out, it ends up being like $900, which for, I think I got 12 things. That was a pretty good deal to me, less than $100 per item. But that ultimately wasn't the point. Like it wasn't about the money, but it did make me realize, okay, shit, I struggle with spending guilt. And, you know, this is something that I think I could have used a little bit more of about five years ago when I was making $52,000 per year, but spending like Kris Jenner at Christmas time. Um, but now I can't seem to get rid of it. And it's not lost on me how ironic it is that I've never made this much money before in my life. And I've also never had this hard of a time spending it. I think that just might be the dark side of becoming somewhere between financially literate and financially fluent. I have this bad tendency to weaponize a compound interest calculator against myself. The bar against which I judge every purchase is almost unfairly high now, and I find that I will often deny myself things that I want to buy because I have somewhere along the line picked up this idea that spending is inherently irresponsible. There's this weird moral edge to it. Like, spending is wrong and saving is right. Like, thank you, Catholic upbringing, for that. And I've internalized it to the point that my emotions are no longer rational or reflective of reality. So what do I mean by that? Basically, that I can objectively look at my situation right now and say the way I feel about spending is ridiculous. It does not reflect reality. And that's probably one of the most important takeaways of this episode is that just because you feel a certain way about money, just because you have an emotion about it, does not mean that that emotion is reflective of the state of being that you're actually in right now. And this can go a lot of different ways. But when I look at my take-home pay to date in my wealth planner for 2021, I looked it up for this episode, I can see that I've made $216,425 to date in 2021. That is by far the most money I've ever made, like by multiples of three. So much so that I feel like the IRS is going to think that I got into some hanky shit this year because it's such a jump from years past. So my spending to date, though, has been $30,045. I have spent 5% of my total income, and yet I had a difficult time with feeling guilty over the weekend about spending $1,000 on new clothes for the first time since 2015. This is where financial responsibility can actually go to an extreme that makes your life worse. And it highlights a fact that we often don't talk about. There are plenty of resources out there that teach you how to save, but there aren't very many that teach you how to spend. And I think spending your money in a joyful and intentional way, that makes you happy, right? That's kind of the ultimate goal of this whole thing, is arguably the most important thing to learn after you get the basics down. And I've been thinking a lot about why it's hard for me to spend money. And remember how I said I weaponize a compound interest calculator? It's like I view every spending decision now through the lens of what this money could become if it were invested instead. It's no longer, would I rather have this $118 adorable shirt dress from Madewell, which by the way, I'm wearing it right now. So 
kudos to me, or would I rather have $118? It's, well, that $118, if left alone for 30 years in the S&P 500, could turn into $1,100. So would I rather have the dress or $1,100? And it becomes hard to make anything feel justified because I can always talk myself out of it. Like, well, I already have clothes. Well, I have food at home. Well, I could spend $15 on this poke bowl that I really want for lunch. Or I could go make a grilled cheese for free. And why would I spend money on food when I already have food in my fridge? Like, there's this constant interplay in my head. And if you're like, wow, that sounds fucking miserable, you're right. It's basically all the things that I tell overspenders to get them to spend less, but applied in a situation where I really probably should be spending more, not less. And it's weird because we don't think about underspending as an issue the same way we think about overspending as an issue. But if you're clocking in at $216,000 in income for the year in October and you're second guessing whether you should get the lemon poppy seed loaf at Starbucks for an extra $325, you don't own that wealth. That wealth owns you. That was the feeling that I was overcome with this weekend as I objectively realized that my spending habits and my spending guilt is ridiculous. That I don't have $410,000. $410,000 has me on a leash. So I started to think back about where I learned and internalized this idea that spending money is wrong. And at first, I figured okay, you know, maybe this is totally intellectual because like I said, I used to spend like a Kardashian-Jenner at an Hermes sale and I wouldn't even blink. But when I dug back a little bit deeper, I remembered some pretty obvious indications from my childhood that I was potentially destined to be good with money, but also to have a hard time spending it. So Keep in mind that your money stories may look a little bit different, but I'm going to tell you mine just because I think it might help. So my mom, God bless her, she was a high earner, but when I turned five, she decided to leave her corporate job and stay home with me. She didn't love the feeling of watching someone else raise her kid during the day, and I think that she realized she actually didn't like her job anyway. So those two realizations put together encouraged her to leave the workforce, and My parents were always pretty frugal, so they had lived on my dad's salary and saved my mom's, which is genius. But when she quit, she had this moment of reckoning of like, oh shit, I can quit because we've been living on one salary, but like, we really need to cut back if we want to be able to save anywhere near what we were saving before when we had two incomes. So she was able to quit because they hadn't inflated their lifestyle, but then she got kind of freaked out about not being able to save as much. And that was when the SS was born. The SS stands for the spreadsheet, and she would record every single transaction that we made as a family in that Excel document. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Uh, Yeah, it's me. I know. So growing up, I always thought that was like totally normal. Like when you watch your parents do something, good or bad, you're not sitting back and assessing whether or not everybody does that. You're eight years old, and these are the two humans that are showing you how to be a human. So that was one of my earliest money memories, watching her put receipts into this document and then balancing the checkbooks and like kind of being responsible for reining in our family spending. And I have a very close relationship with my parents. I'm an only child, and their approval does mean a lot to me. It always has. 
And it probably controls my behavior more than it should at this point, but I think from a young age, I really internalized this idea that spending is something to avoid or limit and restrict. And that, you know, according to these two people who I admire, it's something to really watch out for because it's, it's dangerous or it could be dangerous. So I am actively trying to rewrite that story if you will. Just like you, dear listener, may have money stories from your childhood that you've never really thought about, but may be influencing your behavior today, good or bad. So one way that I'm trying to rewrite that script is by finding ways to frame my spending as an investment in something else. So this is really like tip number one. With my new capsule wardrobe, for example, I'm trying to reframe it as an investment in my professional perception that it makes me look and feel better during the day. And therefore, you know, the idea that like I'll perform better, almost like it's going to help me make more money later. It's an investment in me, if you will. So I can frame buying breakfast from a coffee shop the same way. Like, oh, this is a treat that's an investment in my nourishment and productivity today. Now, you may notice that there is still something kind of off about this method, and that's that it still ties spending back to something that has to be productive. When in reality, I know that every dollar I spend does not have to meet a productive end. Like, I can spend money on something simply because I want it. There's nothing wrong with that, but... I'm trying to meet myself halfway here, okay? And at this phase, I'm not in a place where I can comfortably spend willy-nilly, so I'm trying to take this baby step and reframe intentional spending decisions as investments in something else. So that's my first tip. All right, we're gonna take a little break and I'm gonna plug an app that I love using to manage spending. This is not sponsored and it'll only take 10 seconds, but I do have an affiliate code for you. So the app is Copilot. I am a huge fan. You've probably seen it all over my Instagram and blog if you follow along there. And it does help me budget and spend in a way that feels good. So if you want to try it, it's available on iOS devices in the United States. And the code that will double your free trial is Katie2, K-A-T-I-E, and then the number two. Okay, back to the show. So secondly, I'm having to constantly remind myself that money is for spending. Like it's a currency. Yes, you should hoard it to some extent when you're young so you can build a bit of a wealth snowball. But I'm also acutely aware that if I have a hard time spending now when I make multiple six figures, how am I ever going to be okay with spending when I'm using that money and I have little to no income? Like I think I'm going to be able to just flip a switch and throw it in reverse someday because the brokerage account balance crosses a certain number, but I know that I'm wrong. That's not going to happen. I have to learn how to spend now and become comfortable with it now and train myself now lest I destroy my chances at actually ever being financially independent because I'll be too afraid to leave my job and start really spending, right? I have to trust that money will flow in and out. I cannot be so attached to the earning and building that I'm essentially building a prison for myself wherein I'm not allowed to enjoy life's more expensive pleasures, even if I can objectively afford them. So that's my second tip. Remember that you are ultimately training your brain right now for the future. So if you're in full austerity mode and you're afraid to spend a dime, careful that you don't get stuck that way. It's very easy to fall into that habit and believe that you're doing this noble or right thing by spending as little as possible, but then essentially screw over your future self 
because you're not going to be able to enjoy that money later that you saved and invested. Like you're going to sacrifice and save and scrimp for so long, but then you're not going to be able to drop that habit of doing so. That's going to become a mindset that gets kind of stuck. So I would say tip number two, just remember that you are training yourself now. Like behaviorally, these habits are going to stick, whatever you're doing frequently. And so learning how to spend is actually very healthy. It's healthy. I know my parents are having a difficult time right now spending their nest egg. They retired like two years ago when they were in their early 50s and they spent 30 years saving and cutting back and cutting corners and making sure that they were going to have enough. And now, trust me, they got enough, but they're not sure really how to emotionally and mentally break from that multi-decade habit and form a new one of comfortably spending because they can objectively, this is the crazy part, look at the amount of money they have and say, we know we can live on this forever. We know that we have more than we need. But for some reason, because it's so ingrained in their brains that spending is wrong and saving is good, they're taking pension payments and still saving some of it. And when we had this conversation, when I went home, I was like, you guys, what are you still saving for? Like, you're retired. You're at FI. Like, you're beyond FI. You don't need to save the pension payments. You can buy the Honeycrisp apples at the store. You don't have to buy the Fuji ones because they're cheaper. Like, you can afford to do the things that you want to do. And so it's a work in progress for them, but it's been a good example for me that while saving excessively can help you retire sooner, there's really no point in retiring sooner if you don't know how to spend the money to enjoy the things you want to do. Okay, and last. I saw this written on a Lululemon bag and I'm gonna steal it because I just think it's ironically perfect. It's gonna sound crazy, but... It's imagine your eventual demise, right? Remember that you are not going to live forever. Remember that tomorrow is not guaranteed. So basically take the whole YOLO spending approach that you probably used to have before you became financially savvy, assuming you were ever a spender, and apply it in a more healthy way. You don't know that you're going to live into your old age. You don't want to sacrifice everything in your youth for some later date that I know it sounds morbid, but may never come. You just don't know. And so sometimes, again, it sounds crazy. I will picture myself as an old person and picture myself with millions and millions and millions of dollars. And maybe I'm wheelchair bound, maybe... I, for some reason, can't get out and do the things that I want to do. Hopefully I'm still alive, but what if I'm not? Like, I pictured this giant nest egg that I'm working so hard to grow, and I'm basically envisioning myself not being able to use it. And even though that's extreme, it helps me remember that my life and my time today is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than my time 50 years from now. Sure, I want to be able to fly private someday when I want to go across the country to visit my grandkids, but that day may never come. And so even though I want to make some sacrifices to ensure that I'm going to have the kind of wealth eventually that can do that, 
I also don't want to look back at being 26 and think, hmm, well, I never went out to eat and I wore old falling apart clothes and I never bought a car and, you know, I denied myself all these things and was a total cheap ass because I wanted to become a millionaire as fast as possible and now I'm a multimillionaire and... I really wish I would have spent some of that money when I was in my 20s and able-bodied and energetic and sing like, well, technically I'm not single anymore. I'm married now, but no children. Like I don't have a family beyond my also able-bodied energetic husband. So I want to be able to use that money now when I can get a lot out of it too. And of course, this is not necessarily something I would tell somebody that has a hard time saving. This is more so advice geared towards somebody that is having a difficult time spending, right? But it bears repeating because I don't think we hear this enough. I don't think people talk about the fact that you can become so good at saving and investing that you do so at the expense of your enjoyment now. And if I'm the only person that tells you this this week or today, great. But remember that You know, you are only young once, energetic, young, able-bodied, maybe without children. Now is a good time to spend some of that money and reminding myself of that can really help. So one tactical thing that I'm considering doing, and maybe it makes sense for you to do it too, is rounding up. By rounding up, I mean... I have always had my budget set somewhere between $2,200 and $2,800. Like all my spending all in for an entire month is between $2,100 and $2,800. And that was mostly born out of the fact that I wanted to have low annual spend so that my FI number would be lower. Which is fair. That's totally fair. But I'm starting to think about the fact that if I'm going to make more than $10,000 in a single month, does it really make sense to harshly restrict myself to $2,800? What if I just rounded up to an even $3,000 or $3,500? What if I decided rather than, you know, the budgeting technique that I used to use when I really was trying to make sure everything fit in my income, you know, now that I'm at a place where I'm beyond that, and if you're listening to this and you're not beyond it yet, you will be soon, so it's good to know maybe how you want to adjust, but Rather than building a list of all the things I need to pay for and then capping it and saying, okay, that's the amount I'm going to spend and then everything else I'm going to save and invest. Now that my income is so far beyond my spending, maybe I need to determine what's just a realistic amount to save and invest of this total income. Maybe I want to say that I'm going to save and invest 80% every month and then this, you know, what's left over gets spent. Maybe that's 3,500, maybe it's 4,000. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's this idea of just kind of ignoring the actual expenses and rounding up the budget to a number that actually makes more sense. Where if somebody from the outside looking in saw it and said, oh, you've only spent 5% of your income? Like, why? Are you really buying what you want to buy? Are you treating yourself to a dinner out every week? Like, or are you kind of forcing yourself into a hermit state so that you can save as much as possible? Because I think if there's one thing that I've learned from really thinking about this intently over the last few days, it's that I don't really want to lose the forest through the trees. Financial independence as a concept is all about 
freedom and happiness. Time freedom and happiness. And if I'm working as much as possible to make as much money as possible and denying myself even small pleasures that I'm interested in purchasing because I have this really crazy unattainable goal that I'm trying to hit, am I defeating the purpose? Am I totally nixing the entire point of striving for Phi? Maybe it's worth it to take an extra year or two to get there if it means I'm going to enjoy my life more in the meantime. So I leave you with that, dear listener. Don't lose the forest through the trees and try to implement some of these tips. Remember, The first one is reframing what you're paying for as an investment in something else. The second one is trying to embrace this idea that the way you spend is a habit and that it can actually be unhealthy and counterproductive to save too much because you're not going to be able to spend later. And then the third one is to remember that you may not be around later. And as hard as that is to fathom and think about, If you're young right now, now is a pretty good time to be enjoying at least some of your money. And maybe it's worthwhile to reassess what you're allowing yourself to spend and just round up. If you're spending $2,300, round up to $25. If you're spending $27, round up to $3,000. And just give yourself a little bit of extra wiggle room. A few hundred extra dollars a month in your budget is really not going to make an inch of difference in your ultimate phi timeline, but it could be the difference between going out to eat once a week and forcing yourself to cook dinner at home every single night, even on Friday nights when maybe all you want to do is go get Thai takeout. Okay, that's it for me. I will see you next Wednesday, and I hope you go out and buy yourself something nice today. Adios.